Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. I heard you first, Sarah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> We're back. It's been a little bit, right? Yeah, almost a little more than a week. Yeah. 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 Missed y'all. Right. It feels uh, like forever. It does. <laughs> I think we have a great topic today, though. Uh, it's something that uh, people think about every day, but um, there's a many facets, and that is whether to make or buy something. Um, in the world of manufacturing, the world of automation, um, the benefits of making or buying are complex because you know you have the, your end of life you have your um, you have your product cycles and you have your audience and more than ever nowadays we have supply chain mm-hmm. i think too just you know features right like can can i buy what i want off the shelf or not but yeah it's uh it's the eight-headed dragon for sure and how is one of your missions to fail fast to develop something quickly to get to market well if you're making it that might be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, right. with that too, it's scaling up, ramping up. If you want to get to market quick, but what kind of market are you getting into? What's the volume? Because now if you did something real quickly to get to market fast and it took off better than expected, now you have to replicate that. And that's not always as easy as when you first thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I think we've all seen examples at many manufacturers that have what do they call it? A green board? Like, you know, from scratch, (laughs) created their own version of a controller to get where they needed to get. Yeah. The white paper approach, you start with an empty slate and unlimited budget and you must be either an ivory tower or a government agency. Or a car wash manufacturer, right? That's another popular. Totally. uh, Yeah. Totally. But I mean, you can, with what's available today with the competitive marketplace today in components in the automation space, there's no reason in my humble opinion to, you know, for the majority of the time, you should be able to make it from a a set of third party qualified parts. Commercial off the shelf. If you will. Yeah. Because of the modularity that is present in, you know, thanks to things like the six eleven thirty one. IEC code. So mm-hmm. sure. your, your software follows a, a code and, and adheres to that and more than 170 manufacturers adhere to that. And so therefore, hey, if I don't like one, I can move to the other. Or maybe there's benefits from one to the other, but your your development team maybe can come from a, a host of avenues and everybody can speak that same language. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And it's... And when we say that, right, so the 61131 for the people that aren't spec nerds in the room is uh, is a standard that composes of a handful of language. So it'd be ladder, structured text, function block diagram, sequential function chart, and I don't ever know the I forget the last one or two, but they're, they're predefined, right? So it all should kind of look and sort of feel the same. Um, manufacturers have nuanced differences, right? Just like your you know your menus on your TVs, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be a little different. Um, but largely it's the same mm-hmm. experience sort of experience. So you, yeah, the problem is you can't find this machine. So do you make the machine? So you make the machine and do, what do you make the machine from? Do you make it all in house? 
Do you have the capability to make it all in-house? Do you bake your own board for the controller of that said machine? Well, fortunately, in the automa- automation space, there's it's a very rich, um, it's a very, very mature space that is also in a, what, 10-year evolutionary leap. Every 10 years, it kind of recycles itself. Yep. All your cells in your body are every seven years, and automation is more like a decade or so. I wish it was faster, to be honest. I think a lot of Fortune 100s wish it was <laughs> twice as slow. Why is that? Spare parts, longevity, right? I mean, when you see some of these assets, pick on a, uh, a cereal plant. They're going to make that same cereal forever, right? The boxes might change. The bags might change. but The recipes are pretty locked in. Yeah, and just the equipment, right? The process of how you do it doesn't change a lot. So they look at it and go, man... You know, every time we obsolete something as a as an industry, it's like, oh crap! How do we how do we? I'm not saying obsolete. I'm just saying develop faster. If you if you want to be terrible at obsoleting your stuff, that's fine. There's plenty. <laughs> there's plenty of manufacturers that will own that. Sure. I mean, sure. there's plenty of great ones that own that. But <clears throat> it doesn't mean you can't come up with new stuff faster. So that I agree, and and I wonder too. And this is getting a little off topic, and I think this is worthy of another another episode on dive. its own. Yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, some of the, the processes and the industry standards and all the testing and, and validation, you know, I think back to the, the, the nuclear days, and it was like, man, you're tracking things like paint forever. You know, where did my paint come from? What was it made out of? Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's engineering overreach. Bingo. Agreed. And I think a lot of companies have hit that threshold, right? Yeah. We need to, Um, we need to, you know, to steal a poor attempt here, but we need a six Sigma, the flipping specification game. I mean, why is it that you see a specification that calls out the three bypass contactor set around a variable frequency drive? Stupid. Yeah. Not necessary for majority of applications. The VFD is going to work. It's going to be great. We've automated the building of the VFD. It's made in a world-class facility. I mean, come on. You're, not, you're buying a, a great VFD. You're buying that quality. Right. So you didn't make your own VFD, so you don't need to put in a contactor bypass because you're not... I mean, that's the benefit of making versus buying, right? Well, and you just brought up two products that I've never seen anybody go... I'm going to make my own. I was going to say, normally it's like an entry-level controller with the Raspberry Pis available. It's something along those lines that they'll make. Sure. But when you get into variable frequency drives, even servo drives, there's a lot that they're like, nope, off the shelf. I am not going to mess with that. (laughs) Sure. But let's say you're an air conditioning compressor manufacturer. Yeah. Right? we got a couple here in town. Sure. Yeah. You know, there's a few great ones, you know, throughout the United States. And... They go, huh, California code says we got to have any motor over five or seven and a half horse. I forget which one it is. It doesn't matter. It needs a VFD. Well, should we make our own VFD? I mean, we make 25,000 compressors every six months. Should we, I mean, making a VFD is something we should think about. Or should we buy a VFD? Or should we go to an OEM VFD manufacturer that says, hey, we've got a set of tools and you can private label. Now, is that a different version to make? Kind of. You're responsible for that product life thing, right? Mm -hmm. But the VFD OEM equipment manufacturer, as long as you keep chucking them 25,000, you know, VFD orders every six months, they're going to be just stoked. 
Well, and maybe what you're highlighting here is that that volume threshold, and then mm-hmm. can you balance the control when you when you outsource, right? So I think about low volume stuff. Let's pick on robot end effectors, right? So if you're a small machine builder, you're going to build let's say sixty to hundred machines a year. There's a 50-50 shot you've got a machine shop right in the house or a 3D printer yeah. at this point, right? Yeah. And you're doing it because it's low volume. You've got absolute control, faster turnaround. Yeah. But in your example, where you're going to make 25000 Correct. It's a lot of tooling, right, to come up to speed on that. Correct. And I think the only way, you know, you really attack this make versus buy topic is the fact that you have to look at it in the present moment. I think it's the the math that's going to change significantly. The math of, oh, do we need 10 pieces? Do we need 25,000 pieces? Oh, if you can come up with a 100-piece need, we can get you here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty much, uh, from my perspective and my history, that, that generally is, you know, you get to 100 pieces, you can start talking, you start talking 1,000 pieces. People really listen to you. It all depends on what it's worth, though, right? It's just dollars and cents. But... To your point and what you just brought up, like the cost to develop things is coming down. There are technologies in the 3D print space that are going to allow you to make your own board and print your own board. So now you don't have to have a uh, PCB setup that pick your favorite you know, name of one, right? That can print and spin your own board up. But those guys are, they're around, they're contract manufacturers, they'll happy to happily play your game, but then you got to go to your ULs, your CEs, your mm-hmm. TUVs, your CCCs. Um, those are all the third parties that are kind of the big hitters, I guess, out there. TUV is a former boiler spec that became all things out of Germany. And the CCC is the uh, our friends in China. And then uh, CE is Greater Europe. Right, self-certified. CSA, UL, CSA yeah. is Canada, right? Yeah, and UL is our former government entity, now profit entity. Not, Not to be f- confused with CUL. Correct. So game on. <clears throat> and I'm sure there's more we forgot. Right? Oh, absolutely. Many, many yeah, the South Africans have their own deal, <laughs> um, and good for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you make something, you have to adhere to that that third party, whoever it is. And if you want to go global, you probably have to hit two or three of them. Sure, sure. So that contributes to the decision of, do I make this or do I buy this? Do I make the kombucha? Do I just buy the kombucha? Is it better if I make it? You know, it's not barbecue, man, though. I mean, if we're making PLC, making a controller, I think that's the example that comes to mind most right now. Yeah. Agreed? That's the one I've seen the most. Right. Because everybody feels that, oh, I can do Python. Right. Yep. Okay. Great. Good for sure. you. Yeah. I can write a web page. Awesome. Fantastic. Does that get you where you need to be? Does that solve your problem three years from now? Well, I to think your about- point, Sarah. Scale. Right. Well, Holy shit. Well, scalability, and I think the technology too. You know, you're you have two very different examples. Am I going to build my own variable frequency drive, or am I going to build my own end effector? Look at the technologies inside. Look at the expertise you have in-house, right? Just because you can make it, should you? You know, to quote the Jurassic Park line of what's, where do you want that knowledge and expertise in-house to be? 
someone that knows how to 3D print X, Y, and Z, or someone that knows how to program. I think that's part of it too with the resources. A lot might make the decision to make something because they have that individual that can do it now. And it cuts on development time or purchase time or whatever factors out there of, you know, acquiring those parts. But then to your point, what happens three years from now when that person has left the company, retired, taken a new position? Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, that's a whole... Yeah. But, but, but that's part of, I think, the make, the, the risks or considerations of... And do they take into account today? You know, what happens when someone leaves? Now you've all of a sudden, your volume was 10 the first year, 100 the next year. Now you're in 1,000 and the first customer's calling with questions. <laughs> you know, maintenance packages, services. There's a lot around that make space. And I've never had people call after I've left an employer asking how I did something 10 years ago. Because they don't do that. Why is that? <laughs> it happens all the time. I mean, I mean, if I ever own something that becomes something, then I lose somebody after a while, and they worked on it. I mean, why can't I call them up and be like, "Hey, man, yeah, how about how about I take you out for lunch and you tell me how this worked?" So my favorite, though, I like, actually, I'm uh, a big believer in buying lunch. <laughs> Go a long way. But but the challenge is like, do I have it right? So there's been things where I've I've done. Uh, Visual Studio middleware, right? So I needed to write a communication handler to go from a, a machine tool to a robot, right? So sure. in this instance, I think the year was 2005, and I needed to Dusty. go from a, right? a Mazak, Mazatrol mm-hmm. computer, and I needed to talk to a FANUC robot. And these two things had never apparently talked to each other before over some sort of network. They're like, we'll just run a bunch of wires. I'm like, well... It's 2005. I've got an Ethernet cable. Can I do something different? And so C3PO says you can. Yeah, yeah. right. I just. Mm-hmm. Boop, 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 boop. So I wrote this middleware and it just worked, right? But at the time, it's Windows XP, it's all these other things. And then all of a sudden, I leave. And eight years down the road, my friend calls me up and goes, Hey, uh, they're going to upgrade that thing to a different controller on the machine tools. I'm like, Great. Cool. So do you still have the source code from that stuff you wrote? And I'm like, sure, don't. You own that. The company owns. I don't own. I I wrote it, but I don't own it. It's on your server wherever I left it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, lost we, that server in a lightning storm, or maybe what? right? We yeah. can't find that. I'm like, mm-hmm. what was up on the server? I'm like, yeah. it should be in the project folder with everything else. But it's one of those things like. If you could have found that off the shelf and just connected the dots, maybe that wouldn't have been such a lift, right? So, but at that point, like there was no other way. It was a first of a kind, one of a kind, had never been done before. So I think that's the other challenge too, is you have to figure out like, has it been done or am I happy with how it's been done before? Um, I think software is one of those weird spaces where there's a mm-hmm. lot of different avenues. Like yeah, we see a lot of tools out there that give you kind of that WYSIWYG builder, right? Whether that's a, uh, pick, pick your favorite technology. It doesn't matter. Sure. Um, do you start with that or do you just start with some raw HTML5 and just start banging on stuff? Like, I don't know. All depends on what your desired output is, right? Sure. You know, what is the outcome you're trying to achieve? I want 100 bottles in 10 minutes. Okay, great. Right. Make the machine. I know somebody will make that for you. So you don't make your own machine most of the time, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I don't think you can. I mean, how can you make every machine? I mean, that's what Elon says is the most difficult thing about making cars is not making one car. It's making a thousand cars in a week. 
<laughs> and they're all different, right? Correct. Like, yeah. so they're then, all the same, but so the the story I heard is they were making uh, the manufacturing lines, and they didn't like how long it was taking for the robots to be made for the manufacturing lines. So they're at a, a production meeting update, and they said, "Hey." Why can't we get this faster? And like, well, we've got other customers. He's like, well, how much are you worth? Great. Now we're the number one customer because we own you. And see, then make versus buy versus make versus buy. I mean, they're evaluating it all the time over there. Mm-hmm. It just buy the whole there. system integrator. That's Correct. All. They did. Right. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. 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 Just up the road. Yeah. So on that note, hang on. We'll be right back. And this episode is brought to you by, well, me. In the event you'd like to join the show as a guest or a sponsor, feel free to email us at automationadvocates at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and now let's get back to it. Are we back? We're back. I was thirsty. Nothing wrong with that. And you didn't make that. You bought that. No, I didn't make it. You know, funny, I've drank probably more than my fair share of kombucha. I never made it. I've had I've had uh, weak attempts at making it. I've had a lot of friends make it for me. Has it ever turned out good for them? Uh, never as good and as consistent as what you can get from the store. I mean, I think the closest thing I ever had was, uh, I mean, they became a brand and now they're no longer a brand. So a local guy. So, you know, it's just, but they never paid, they never made the investment to automate. And then at the, at automation point, then you're like, okay, now we can scale. Because they were just at the end of the day, it was just two dudes humping a bunch of barrels of kombucha around. Do you think that, that's what buried know. them? Is they just couldn't keep up and they, they said, just, I'm yeah, done. It was feral beverage. They're great, you know, and they were bottling. They had these really dope bottles with a bottle tab built into it. Apparently it was all the rage back in the thirties. Huh. I don't know. I'm, I'm dating myself. I don't actually know that, but it looked like an older technology and it was a great way to, you know, make you feel like you were going to cut yourself, but you never did. So it was just a glass bottle and you pop that top and it had a little finger in it. So it was like a huh. the top of a soda can, At the but pole. with a glass bottle. Glass bottle is superior in my opinion of all vessels. Yeah, I think so, right? It's probably the most recyclable, most uh, easily yeah. to melt down and, and yeah. repurpose. And Met the dude that ran uh, Coors' bottling line. He got a history degree, and then he just met him at the park one day. He was a grandparent of one of the kids. He told me some stories about how to make bottles and how you have to get that heat just right mm-hmm. to make that bulb every time. And the output... That they're doing. I mean, it's yeah. Coors, right? It's, it's a machine gun, yeah. right? It's You're a machine gun You're literally just bottles. creating, like, piss. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it goes in as beer and it comes out, and that's what yeah. we're doing here. I mean, I've it's no dig on Coors. I've been to a few breweries. Right. So what, what's interesting about that, and I think, you know, it, while we were taking our little break here, Sarah was talking about making things like jewelry and other stuff that you do in your, your craft time. And I wonder, like... You've seen the glass blowers, right? Where they're doing yeah. the, the arts. Yeah, even like and, a competition like, show. Yeah. yeah, I love when you're driving down the street in the summer, and that dude will be out in his driveway. You know, there's like one every, I think, twenty five hundred houses according to the Census Bureau. But you, you got this dude, and he's got that. He's, the he's pipe. Gonna, he's yeah. got the Ricola pipe in his mouth, right? And he's got that furnace that's just 
too yeah. high, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Why is it more than four feet off the deck that you've got <laughs> this ceramic two-way entry point, right? Mm-hmm. Propane fired. Just oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Amazing. But, but I appreciate the output, right? And I, I love the... I, I guess there's one where if you can get something that's been made... Sure. That's got that custom feel to it. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Like I look at, have you seen my man purse? Yeah, there's a couple of them around here. Yeah. Yeah. So the the leather one down there it's with your name tag two, on it. Yeah, two of a kind. Two of a kind. Two of a kind. That's fantastic. He's very proud. Um, that's a lot of cows you killed. Is it just one cow? Is that how they do it? You and Voldemort here? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you yeah. share the same bag yeah. ass? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's super cool, right? It's they beautiful. they make a, a standardized bag, but a buddy of mine who lives uh, overseas picked one up on a trip. and uh, oh, So you have a bag buddy? A bag buddy, yeah. It's not, like, yeah. not quite a pen pal. No, it's way cooler than that. But, you know, you look at, like, the mass-produced bags, n- nothing against them, right? But I just... Uh, the durability wasn't the same, you know, and when you're living on a bag man. and flying around, it's, uh, yeah. but I'm not making my own bag. I no. can do a lot of stuff, but that's not one. Uh, Bass Lake paddles. Why, 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 uh, why buy your own paddle when you can have somebody make one for you? Right. That's an interesting way to look at it too. My guy, Mark, I mean, he makes killer paddles. Yeah. Oh, and then it's just like this bag here. It's just, you feel the craftsmanship. Right, and that's just fun. Wood, carbon. Oh yeah, well wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cedar. All right. Yeah. What hits on two points there? Craftsmanship and then consistency. Correct. Right. So it's like again, make versus buy. Are we talking? You know, you look to breweries, wineries. You looking to glass blowing, and now metal work is coming. Functional volume, right? And more individualized, single, lower volumes or you want to have that craftsmanship, you know, you're seeing a trend towards making, like you said, he's now making paddles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get back to automation and then that's that fine line of, is it you're making it for craftsmanship? You're making it because we don't have the technology yet. You're trying to keep IP inside intellectual proprietary, you know, inside the walls. Mm. Um, but then what, how does consistency look, especially in the automation space? You nailed it. If Coors couldn't have figured out a way to make those glass bottles consistent, yeah, would they have tried or gone no. back to something else? You no, know? no. Or they have to buy them for somebody, right? And then right. you end up just buying that plant anyway. Aluminum cans are like that, right? Like, yeah, I think there's a couple of can makers out in there in, in the world, but they make a bajillion cans. Yeah, I heard about a guy the other day said the uh, turbine manufacturer just built them a plant. And then they get to keep it when they're, then they fulfilled the ten year contract of said plant. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's you know big turbines. Yeah, you're talking wind generation. No power. Huh. Not wind power, like power generation turbines. Sure, gas or yeah, oil or whatever. Jets. Yeah. 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 Fly me to the moon, Alice. <laughs> You know the other thing that's that, that, that kind of I, I think about when when you think about making versus buying, and I guess this becomes uh, relevant in today's tech stuff. But when you look at you know electronics is the big one, I guess you know Apple. It, it's publicly documented, right? Foxconn being one of their largest manufacturers out there. 
And Foxconn has giant factories that make all mm-hmm. sorts of things, and they're really, really good at it. Um, do you think there's the ability to get the same level of control when you outsource like that, or do you think the... I guess. Oh, I think it's a humanitarian issue more than anything. I think it's just, it's a, it's an evaluation based on old, old, I'm running really right on the line of what I should talk about and what I shouldn't talk about or what I have knowledge of. But in my opinion, like what if, would Apple have 30 or how, what is it? What does it got on its balance sheet right now? Like 300 million or billion, excuse me, $300 billion or whatever it has just sitting there. Right. Would they have that? if they had built their own manufacturing lines like Tesla's doing, like instead of just designed in California, how about made in California, you know, or better yet, you know, somewhere in the middle where we don't have to, you know, lose a bunch of water to the whole deal. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. What if we didn't have to wait for our stuff to get off a boat? I think everybody's feeling that right now. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's been said many times over. It's like, what would you pay? For a cell phone that was made here, you know, half the people in the world don't even pay for their cell phone. They just work it into their contract. Although I think in everywhere else in the world, it's more you buy it. You're right. It's just like an asset, right? You buy your laptop. Correct. Yeah. So that's what it is. Speaking of that, I was out in central California last week and flying home out of San Francisco. I counted no fewer than 20 ships waiting. Correct. Just so, ha- just hanging out. Correct. So that's the question. It's like, all right, we've had a chip shortage. All right. Are we, if we wake up, it's 2025, and we haven't increased our chip capacity as a country relative to the amount of chips consumed. I mean, it's like, come on. If you're going to make the food, you're going to eat all the food, you got to make some of it too. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself on an island, and we're sitting here on an island. It's... It's really short-sighted, I think. I think there'd be more value. Talk about craftsmanship. I don't know. I'm obviously an overly privileged person, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, and I can you know, purchase whatever items I want. I would prefer to purchase something that had more American-made or just North American-made content. Sure. You know? And I think the other piece, too, and, and this is a little off the, the make versus by topic but just the the longevity and the quality right like Mm -hmm. what if i don't want to just throw it away Mm -hmm. i think more people would buy it outside of the united states too that's the thing oh you're saying open up the export capability too well i mean who am i to limit free free you know commerce but i'm i'm saying there's a benefit you we can incentivize the u.s economy to make more here and people then buy more from here. You know, Germany exports a, a you know, a boatload, right? Because of mainly the automotive sector, mm-hmm. but they also don't buy a lot outside of Germany. They like to buy all the German stuff. This is, this is the thing. And so they're trying to figure out like, you know, why doesn't Germany spend, how do we get Germany to spend its money outside of Germany? Right. We have, we have, we, we could spend more money inside of the United States is my point. What's and, interesting about that is you've been to SPS. Yep. Have you been to SPS or uh, 
Oh, it's great. I know. It's on my list. It's just terribly right in front of inconvenient in front of uh, Thanksgiving, Europe. Yes. Hanover, right? Be another one. I've been to Hanover. Yeah. Not yet. What? I have no idea. Frankfurt Light? I've been to Katowice, Poland to open up a manufacturing facility. Wow. That has been my European tour yeah. right there. I couldn't um, spell it. It's too many vowels. Yeah. That was a fun, good time. But, Poland's um, beautiful, though. Very beautiful. Shout out to the mountains in Poland. Aren't you from there? <laughs> The, the mothership, yeah. yeah. In fact, that's what I had for lunch today. Was some Polish? Yeah, I went really? to the Ukrainian deli in town here. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing some back for us. Moving on. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm sure again, make versus buy. It's a decision a lot of people make, whether it be residential, commercial, or governmental. There's a lot that goes into that decision. Yep. Right. It and is, and it's how quick do you want to get to the market? Yeah. Do you have time to develop your own controller? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Well, I often wonder too with that make versus buy decision, the influencers in the you know who who made that decision was it a single person was it a, you know the what is it we we created a giraffe out of committee was it a group of people that said we should make this ourselves because it'll be really cool and fancy and look what we can do yeah that's a function of marketing and if right. everybody understands that you're basically just feeding yourself well then great. Right. But you have to wonder that what was into that decision to make it, especially we've seen examples within, you know, manufacturing automation here locally, and they're so proud of what they built, but yet all their time and energy went into building it, but they didn't put any time or limited time and energy then into the actual customer experience or outcome. Correct. UX is huge. Yeah. Just just because you built it, the customer can't see that. What Mm -hmm. they do see, eh, you're not worried about. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you get that? The, mm-hmm. Like you said, it goes back to our first episode too. And where do you innovate, not innovate, right? What's exciting and, you know, where do you put that energy? And instead of making your own controller, do you take off the shelf and now you just make a new fancy, what do you call it? Whiz bang, you know, user experience. Whiz bang right. user experiences are right, pretty right up there with indoor skydiving. It's yeah. a great time. Well, I would say lower risk, right? And, and there's no risk in indoor skydiving. Everybody that's what I'm wins. Saying, yeah, but in yeah, outdoor, yeah, there yeah. sure yeah. is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's not on my list. <laughs> Traveling to Europe, yes. Skydiving, no. Shout out to the guy on Reddit the other day who proposed to his lady in a tandem jump and didn't oh, drop the ring. Wow. Like, that's courage, man. Like, I thought my mine was going to fall out of my pocket for a day and a half or two. Oh, wow. That guy jumped out of an airplane. I mean, what if, what if he did drop it? Then I mean, it's, uh, it's in the middle of Nebraska somewhere. Yeah, right. It's always over a field, right? You're right. Not, they don't let you skydive right. over the lake. Really? Huh? I guess I've never really... Uh, I've I, I never skydived, so I don't have a good yeah. uh, point of reference there. Yeah. I'm not allowed. <laughs> Probably good. Yeah. For many reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you know that that you know time to market you guys brought up, and I think that risk mitigation piece is is key too, right? And I think about let's pick on metal fabrication. Yeah. Right. So neither of us have a bridge port or a lathe sitting in our garage, and we sure don't have laser not. tables. Um, I'd love one. I've but got I friends that have them. Yeah. So I've got my buddy, and, and we'll get him on the show sometime here, Brian, uh, Water Jet Cutting Solutions. If you need to cut some plate stock, I just call him up. Or if mm-hmm. I need to cut foam, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, man. Can you cut this? And he's mm-hmm. like, yep, couple days, couple weeks, whatever That's what it he's is. he's in business to do, as a matter of fact. Like, right. the sooner everybody recognizes what everybody's identity is, we all figure it out, and we can we can win together. Mm-hmm. Right, 
Right. Yeah. And then it lets me focus on what whatever I'm tinkering with. Correct. The piece that matters to me or Correct. the thing that I add the most impact to. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's the 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 crux of the whole matter, right? Is focus on what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you have to recognize you have to write it down. And everybody has to agree that your desired outcome is X. Mm-hmm. And you want it to feel like this. And you write out what this feels like. And then, great, win. So thinking back, so you had mentioned you're especially qualified. You've you, this. This was what you went to school for: is how to build stuff, right? Yeah, surely. Yeah, I, I got an engineering degree, yeah, which, in my opinion, a bachelor's in engineering means that you learned how to learn. Fair. Amen. Fair. I also have one. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there are. You know, everybody does better in school than others, and. Everybody has different uh, objectives in school. Um, my favorite part of school was senior design. That was the just just a hoot. You did two semesters just run around and make something, and I think that was that was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, because why? How else do you find out? You know, mm-hmm. write the book, make make the bread. You know, how else are you gonna know if it tastes good? You know, build the cake. And also fail, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, the cake comes out. It tastes like, you know, just dog food. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you're into dog food, it's not what I want underneath the uh, candle, though. Right. I'm more of a pie guy for the record. But, you know, make the pie and eat it. Right. And figure out if it's right. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. I highly suggest making whenever possible. But at the same time, recognize that sometimes you need to buy a few things in order to make it. Yes. I wonder, and and this is, we'll have to revisit this one at a, a later date too. But has has society gravitated away from the ability and the the idea of being able to make things? I feel like we're losing that skill set. I agree, real fast. Yep. Um, yep. That's in our list of things to talk about. We can go on for days on that topic, but no. But I mean, I think you know, if if I were said billionaire. That would be a, that would be an easy billion dollar check that you could accountably write out. And be like, okay, hey, we're just gonna write a billion dollars. We Tesla, we Amazon, we whatever, and we are going to fund two hundred shop programs. And what does that look like? Oh, that means we're gonna send you a curriculum. We're gonna send you a teacher, and we're gonna send you you know three arc welders and uh, a bridge port, and yeah. we're gonna open up an account at the local metal house. And we're going to throw, you know, mm-hmm. four grand into there and, you know, see how many kids go to high school, you know, metalworking one. Come on, man. Like, that's a real cool way to spend a billion dollars. Like he said he'd help out at uh, poverty if somebody could do clear uh, uh, accounting. Like that's that's a shopping list in a week, you know. I'd be really curious to see what the attendance would be. Oh, I think um, it'd be through the roof. You think so? Absolutely. Well, because it kind of goes back to the first episode. How fun and cool would it be, your kid in high school, you get to come in to a room that's got stuff you and can play with. And it was funded with. by Tesla. Like, it would it would sell itself. And then, you know what? Shame on Ford for not having done this already. And maybe they have. But I don't know. They but have I mean, to have sponsored some of the technologies sure, and things. Sure. But do Michigan they do it outside Iowa. of where the, where the trucks and the cars are made? Mm, probably not. Right. Maybe. Right. Good question. Okay. So like, 
in my opinion, if, if you're running around with a balance sheet of X, Y, or Z, and you're going to complain about who's available to hire two, four years out from now, well, shame on you, man. You didn't use your capital wisely. You didn't invest in the, in the future of the people you want. And plus, it's those are the people you want to buy your truck anyway, right? Like, who doesn't want a, a person, who's more likely to buy a truck? Somebody that went to shop class and made something? It doesn't matter what sex they are. Like, if they went to shop class and they made something, maybe they want a welder now. I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Welders to pickup ratio is greater than welders to Prius ratio. And that's not a dig on Prius people. But it's just what it is. For sure. Right? For sure. So if you're in the business of making pickups and you're not funding shop classes, I, th- I think you're just missing. It's a, it's a marketing tool. And I think the whole world would benefit. I mean, the United States especially would benefit from it for like putting our kids in a position where, um, like, uh, what is it called? Leonardo's Basement. Shout out to Leonardo's Basement in South Minneapolis. They're just a cool place to go and make stuff, right? They kind of fill that void of, we don't really have a cool shop place right now, right? We don't have a curriculum or we don't have the capacity or, you know, I know teachers are struggling to uh, teach, mm-hmm. Right. COVID wasn't cool on teachers. And so like, wouldn't that help? I bet it would help attendance. I don't know, man, with as many kids that are being diagnosed with ADHD and you nowadays, and you don't give them things to do and you don't let them grind a, you know, grind away on a bench in the middle of the day. You got a 16 year old. Tell me. I do. Oh no. I'm, I'm, I, I hear you. Yeah. We were just talking about this yesterday, too, on, like you said, the make versus buy. I think that's why all these, you'll, how do I phrase this? Like the microbreweries are really standing up now. Yeah. And the wineries and, like you said, all the customization. I know bicycles would be a topic we'll get into later. But those that can make it and have that craftsmanship are really standing apart because, to your point, Justin, we don't make a lot anymore. Or the younger generations don't. Now I can also look at myself and my son and say, he's never had to mow a lawn. Sure. Just because like you said, our ability and where we've lived and what we've done. Higher density. Sure. You just, like you said, his ability to make, but that doesn't mean that we can't be creative on other things he can learn how to do. Sure. So he's learned how to sew. Yeah. We went to thrift stores. We bought cheap fabric and he got a sewing machine and taught himself with YouTube, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're going to give a shout out there, but it was a way for him to fail and figure out how to make something that we could within our higher density location that I couldn't get an arc welder, but we could get a sewing machine to fit. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. With different, uh, you said, you know, he has a passion now, but something to do. We just need more welders. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think we need more of everything, more of everything. that people want to do. I'm going to say hands-on mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. Whether that be welders or maintenance people or people that can sew or paint or whatever. Like, there's a lot of people. And this is one of the frustrations that I, that I see, you know, people leaving school and they go, I'm going to be a manager. Yeah. Well, you need like one ten one manager to every ten employees, give or take, right? I mean, th- there's other ratios to that, but we don't need a hundred to one. Um, and I think that's where 
you know, as we look at making, buying, it sounds like what we've described is a lot of really cool, I'm going to call it special making, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and when you scale that, when you scale it up to the big stuff, it's make what you, again, do best, right? Yeah. So all these breweries, all these people making kombucha, they're not making their own bottles. They're not making their own labels. Their, their secret sauce is in what went into the tanks mm-hmm. that they bought the from a machine yep. builder, right? Yep. Yep. Um, the bag, right? They didn't they didn't tan their own leather, I'm guessing. No. Nope. But it came in a sheet, and they made something really awesome out of it. But, I mean, it, 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 the example is the controller. If you're a machine builder, and you're like, huh, do I make my own controller, or do I buy one? I think it's kind of, it's the mind, the market's made, it's really attractive now. I mean, for as little as $125. You can have a web server Ethernet based controller that has modularity, standardization, military specifications, mm-hmm. and meets, you know, global standards and is immediately scalable. And it's pretty hard to beat yep. paying somebody to write code on a hundred and twenty five dollar controller that does all that. But for forty nine ninety nine I can get my Raspberry Pi sure. with a USB connector. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I think it's great that you can turn a light on in your kitchen and tell me if your if your garage door is open. I think that's fantastic, you know? But that's another weird one. So I thought a million years ago, and, and I'm I'm dating myself a little bit here, you know, pre pre Xbox, I remember thinking, man, there's what gonna is be that a world like a long time ago, right? Dial up phones still mounted to the wall. Um, I thought, man, there's going to be a computer in everybody's house, right? Like this mm-hmm. is the future. And then I think at the time the building automation protocol for home stuff was X10. And so this was a digital line that ran over your AC and you could turn lights on and off, but you needed this computer somewhere in your home. And I'm like, well, obviously everyone's going to have a computer in their home. Yeah. Well, now it's, it's the Xbox or better yet. It's the Amazon where the computer is not even in your home. You talk to your dot and it talks to the cloud and back. Sure. Um, But I mean, you have an ASICs, you know, dual core chip in your headphones and wow, you've got awesome active noise canceling. And they're really nice. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> it's more than just a computer in your house now. It's, it's a little excessive, but then and so then it's like, why don't we make those chips? It's a great question. Come on, well, and you've why seen don't the, you make those chips? So you've seen the news articles that I can't remember which manufacturer, but we're looking at as of as this fallouts happen of reinvesting in chip manufacturing in the United States. No, I understand. There's a bipartisan support for it. It's great for sure. It's like. $5 billion a year for five years or, you know, who knows what it'll be like when it gets signed, but uh, it should have been signed 10 years ago, you know? Right. Like, I want to go back and jump into the multiverse and go to the place where we don't spend trillions of dollars in 20 years in Afghanistan and we make everything here with a trillion dollars. So what do you suppose <laughs> drove us to not do it here? I mean, think, is, is this I where think, we look at Wall Street it, and the P&L it's, it's, and we it's go... the MBA corporate... You know, quarterly profit, sure. Chase, sure. And the misinterpretation of just-in-time manufacturing. Just-in-time manufacturing is based on the idea that you have a forty-mile-an-hour or forty-mile radius. Sure. Nobody has that now. Mm-mm. Not in the globalization time frame, no. right? No. Yeah. Everybody's got four oceans. You know, at a minimum, hitting their supply chain. How many oceans are you in, in your supply chain? That's a critical question you should be asking yourself. It's a really good question. Yeah. 
and how many yeah i mean even just thinking because the raw materials aren't coming from where the chip no. factory is correct. And that's going into the board factory correct. which is not next to the chip correct. factory and correct yeah yeah i mean that's that's the sad story that nobody's really talking about i mean there's a fight over the you know the arctic ocean right now you know how so well there's been more deployments of ice breaking ships in the northern hemisphere in the last 10 years than ever before because everybody's competing to establish those routes. Oh, shipping. Yeah. yeah. Over the Arctic. Like they're breaking up ice to pave a way for... So think about it, dude. You can just go and jump from uh, Hamburg mm-hmm. and you can just land in Japan. It's true. Yeah. You don't have to go through Panama anymore. Or put it on a airplane right? Put it on the airplane. Expensive, right Correct. you can't get as much bang for your buck there correct huh i didn't even know yeah so you got the russians up there with all these killer icebreakers and then you've got the we've got like two or three subs doing laps back from, from washington to virginia and back and then uh we've got a few icebreakers up there and then you got you know the europeans i'm sure it's a party you know Bring your own boat. Yeah. So Bring your own there. icebreaker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess. There's a cruise through the Arctic recently. That's it's that's that's how open it is. You're talking a cruise ship, like yeah. a big city size. Yeah, like cruise something ship. you like to do on on thing on, on your Thanksgiving. On a before, no, me no. I'm sure it's a great time. I, yeah, I hear great things. For me. Yeah. I don't sit still long no. enough to be stuck on a boat no. for too long. No, and I hate treadmills. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know. Yeah, we should make it here. Cut the oceans out of your supply chain. Go to visit them on the on your vacation. Well, and I think too, you know, the the other push it has to be tied to the sustainability angle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you can make ESG. it here, yeah, environmental sustainability governance. Like people are that is the thing. That's what people are going to start evaluating. That's going to change the equation on make versus buy. Correct. Recyclability. Correct. Yep, sustainability. Yeah. How much carbon did it take you to make your stuff? It's coming. Well, if I know the farm where the animal came from that I had from dinner, right? Yeah. It's like farm to table yeah. and the traceability. Correct. Correct. That'll be next. Is Correct. that where was it made? Correct. What was the, you know, emissions Correct. and... Why can't I tell you this is the lot of wheels that I bought from the wrecker and then I hammer milled them and I made my own aluminum ingot and I ran it through a mass spec... And then I made my chassis from it. Do you have to trace it back to where the wheels were made from? Well, why not, man? Why can't we? I don't know. We we can laser etch 2D barcode anything. Yeah. I mean, you have the traceability right now in in the manufacturing of of an F-35 in Fort Worth, Texas. Sure, sure. They, They know where everything came from. They traced my cow. I mean, they know. Correct. And just for the record, that is the coolest facility ever yeah i know somebody that knows somebody super yeah. cool yeah. Super i got a tour cool. once it's great yeah. thanks again Allie. in a, in a <laughs> past yeah. life that was yeah. uh i put a machine in there and it was oh yeah yeah and it's a very comfortable work environment everybody's very professional yeah and everything yeah. is very well laid out and very well documented and i guarantee it you could do it if you wanted to for sure and I think there's going to be incentive somewhere in the future mm-hmm. where people are going to want to know that, especially on a five-figure purchase yeah. or greater. 
right? Yeah. But I mean, if you're spending three grand on a laptop, I don't know. I think it'd be wicked cool if it said, you know, made in Kentucky. Yeah. Bang. Well, and I think back to, so uh, working for a startup, right? It was based in Cincinnati or just across the river in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of these areas where military bases have closed down or government subsidies are trying to reinvigorate manufacturing because things have moved out, right? And, And you look at... I guess parts of the Rust Belt or, you know, even parts of Pennsylvania, New York, things that have closed down. I think about, you know, where Kodak used to be, right? It's probably a vacuum because Kodak's no. not there anymore. There's, there's there's new things dropping in there. Right, right. But I think, can we continue and, and ramp up that investment back in those places where we used to, to make it there? Right? Sure. Like that's, yep. and let's not do it in a super, super high populated area that's going to cost a bajillion dollars. Yeah. I mean, there's, but there's, there are, uh, you know, commercial orientated investment like vehicles where, you know, chamber of commerce or something will be incentivizing such startups Mm -hmm. to incentivize us to make more stuff. It's a fascinating time. It's very competitive, but I think we could ramp it up. I think we could ramp it up and it'd just be some type of incentive that says, Hey man, let's make it here so more people can buy it here so that we don't have to watch it sit on a boat out there and then trip over a pipeline and kill a flipping bird, man. It's just, (laughs) this isn't working. The system is broken. Take the oceans out of your supply chain, please. You know, that's it. Just make it here. Yeah. Make it here. Yeah, and I, I think I think the Europeans have, have shown that they can do that. You know, BMW's come over here and, and made significant investment in I believe South Carolina. Like Mercedes owns Tennessee. a town in Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they you know they're making all their SUVs here, mm-hmm. right? So well, that's pretty cool. And last time I checked, Mercedes and BMW are doing just fine. So, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting, too, that you mentioned, you know, like the Germans buying from Germans. I think that's very similar in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was there, it wasn't like you were importing a bunch of, you know, General Electric Correct. refrigerators. It was very much home-sourced. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Europeans like buying our stuff. They do. Perfect. It's a big market. And so do so many other t- folks. And we like buying their stuff. It's pretty cool. I think the global economy should be more influenced by what we're able to make here. And then maybe that incentivizes other folks to make stuff there. And then we get to access to, you know, what if, you know, what if there was an actual automotive company that came out of Vietnam that was killer and nobody saw it coming? Or maybe it's just a scooter company, right? Because they they've got a really great experience on scooters. Like that's the game, right? But what incentive do they have if we just have them make everything? And I think it's fine. They make some good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Not a knock on them. But, like, why can't we make a Honda scooter or motorcycle here? Or shoes. Yeah. Why do my Burton snowboard boots say made in Vermont? I can get a deck from there. But it's probably less than 10% of the product offering. And that's, that's and then they say, oh, the machine, the machining capabilities are available machines in 
China or Northern Italy or Poland are just better than what we have. Well, make the investment, dude. Well, and it's interesting too, because that's a, you know, it's the textile machinery for some mm-hmm. of that stuff. Yeah. Right? Yep. And I know a lot of those machines are built not here in the United States. Correct. Um, and they don't land here in the United States. I don't know where the raw material comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. It's uh, it's not something that's super common here unless it's a really, and, and this kind of gets back to that, that craft aspect of it. Yep. If it's a really weird fabric. Mm-hmm. Give me Red Wing Burton boots and they're made in Minnesota. Like I guarantee you people would spend stupid $1,500, $2,500 on a pair of step-on binding a capable boa lace Burton Red Wing boots. That's sweet brown leather and get some good wax yeah. on and stiffen it up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that would be bananas. Yeah. And it's again, but you can't do that. I mean, don't, sure, there's a great Italian boot manufacturer, you know, Giuseppe, whatever. I bet he's a great guy. I don't know, man. I just, I think it'd be cool. Take that ocean out. Give me the option. New Balance gives you the option, right? Mm-hmm. New Balance has shoes made in Massachusetts, if I'm not I mistaken. Yeah. Right? Great. Thank you. Well done. It's not everything, but just there's stuff here. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. How about a Dan or snowboard boot, right? Now we got competition. <laughs> got Clearly I can see where the passions on. lie. Yeah. It's a little warm out, but maybe we can still make it to the hill, right? Yeah, right. Uh... Right. Well, we but got... Yeah, let's, let's, let's just find a way to incentivize people to do it. I think there's a lot of benefit to it. I think it gives people... Um, I think that's what is missing in the job market is a sense of achievement, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the resignation piece, right? That's a, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a real boiled down version of it. So that'll be a different topic we'll cover maybe next time, maybe the time after, but talking about people and resources as we think about the debate of making versus buying. Do we have the people? Do we do we have the, the will? Can we make it? Should we? Um, because of that, right? It's mm-hmm. uh but that's when that that's gonna spiral way out of the uh the time slot we've got here. Man, so, that'd be fun though. It's Next coming. Time. Next it's time. coming. But uh with that, you know, we've been all over the place here today. You know, the the premise starting out of make versus buy. Sarah needs to steer the ship stronger next time. <laughs> yeah, I just was was more listening today. It's very good though. Very good though. So we touched them all. Uh thank you, and uh we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Good. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.